Today is uh, Sunday number two in our summer series entitled The Grace Impact. And in case you didn't notice, uh, the bulletin cover goes along with that. And you just need to know, lots of folks uh, go into that. Pastor Brandt, uh, my wife Denise, Jody, uh, I think John was a part of it this time. But lots of folks... So that, that's something that we do in-house, and I love the bulletin cover, so well done, all of you who uh, were a part of that. Anyway, uh, there's a book uh, by Max Lucado, my favorite author. Uh, he's, he has wonderful content, but he's perhaps the best writer I've regularly read. But anyway, he wrote a book on the subject of grace that's kind of uh, the foundational book. I would encourage you, a great companion to... Uh, study as we work through our grace series. Uh, it's called Grace, More Than We Deserve, Greater Than We Imagine, right up there. Uh, Amazon, $9.80. I checked it again last night. Free shipping if you got Prime. And in my opinion, this book is head and shoulders above the rest on this matter. And there's lots of books on, on grace. Last week, we looked at Titus chapter 2. And we look specifically at verses 11 to 14. We saw that grace is a biblical doctrine. But grace is also wrapped up and encased in the person of Jesus Christ. So grace actually has a name. And his name is Jesus Christ. So grace uh, took on human flesh. The grace of God was made visible and it's the grace of Christ that brings us salvation. That's huge. That's why we started there. So grace has a name. The name of grace is Jesus Christ. And uh, grace brings salvation. Last week we saw grace appears in three different time zones. Grace has appeared in the past. Titus 2 verse 11. Meaning... Uh, God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, took on human flesh, lived a sinless life, took our place on the cross, shed His blood for our greatest problem, which is, we're sinners, took our place in the grave and arose. He, he did that in history, historical fact, and by taking our place on the cross and arising from the dead, He's able to offer salvation to all people throughout all of history. Grace appeared in the past. And we said grace is in the present as well. Titus 2 verse 12. As we grow, as we mature, we learn to say no to feasting on the garbage and the dumpsters of this world. Normally we just, well that's what we do. That's where we feast. That's what we're all about. But as we grow in grace, we start saying no thank you. That's not who I am anymore. I walk with Christ now. That's grace in the present. And we saw grace also appears in the future. Titus 2 verse 13. Because it says we're looking for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior. Who, who are we looking for the return of? Jesus Christ. Our great God, our Savior is coming back. And as we look for Him to return, that has a purifying effect on our lives. Grace in the past, grace in the present, grace is coming in the future. Today, part two 
of the grace impact, we're going to examine the number one enemy of grace. Think about it. What do you think the number one, what is the chief grace killer? What is it that squeezes grace out of our lives more than anything else? Uh, that's what we're going to look at. And frankly, too many of us allow this to grow and thrive in our lives. Just need to say it right off the bat. To, uh, to see grace grow, this must go. And if you want grace to thrive, then you got to get rid of that. So we can talk about grace for 10 weeks, but if you don't deal with the chief grace killer, grace ain't happening. Locate with me in your Bibles. Would you please, on your phone or uh, in your Bible, the New Testament book that declares that men should make the coffee. Okay, this is the book that says man should be making the coffee. Hebrews. See, it's right there. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, we're going to look at verses 14 and 15. Wives, you can use that if you want this next week. Stand with me if you're able. Let's read about the destroyer of grace that poisons far too many of our lives. I wish this was just people who don't know Jesus. But that's just not true. This damages not just us, but the people around us who have to feel the effects of what we're going to read. Verse 14, let's read. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let's pray. Lord, my uh, desire, my heart, and I believe yours, is that nobody here would miss your grace. Nobody here today would miss the person of grace, your son, Jesus Christ. And even after that, Lord, my prayer is that no one would allow grace to get squeezed out of their lives. So Lord, I'm asking that as we dig in today, uh, that you'll show us, show us your church, those, show those who are watching online, Lord, uh, that it's possible for us to miss out on your grace. It, it's, it's very real danger to have grace squeezed out by a root of bitterness. Lord, I, I recognize that that bitterness defiles and poisons, and it has devastating effects on our lives and on our marriages and on our children and our grandchildren and the people we work with and the people we call our friends. So Lord, would you help us to get it today? Help us to truly understand and believe how deadly bitterness really is. And Lord, would we go just beyond knowing how bad it is? Lord, I'm praying for those of us who've allowed a root of bitterness to grow, that we would actually be ready and willing to act. So Lord, uh, help us not just to be hearers of your book and file more facts away in our brains. Lord, we truly need to act. And if bitterness has taken root in our lives, would you show us, even as we dig in now? And then would you show us how it's possible in your power to dig those roots out? 
speak, Lord. Your church here, we're listening. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, Last week we saw grace has a name, Jesus Christ. This week we're going to see that grace has a chief activity. There's something that grace does, and grace forgives. Grace reconciles. Grace lets go of the offense. That's what grace does in our lives. Hebrews 2.14. Let's look and see what the writer is saying. He tells us it's going to take effort, it's going to take focus, it's going to take energy to see grace grow in our lives. So it's not passive. If you want grace, you just can't remain passive. It's going to take effort. Here's what it says, verse 14, make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Let's just pause for a minute. Make every effort, everything you can do in your power, as far as it depends on you, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. Romans 12 verse 18 says almost the same thing. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now here's the truth. We live in a fighting, scrappy, hit me, I'm going to pound you back. I'm going to grind you into the ground kind of world. Do we not? That's just the world we live in today. And usually, unfortunately, it's more than just lips. But most of the time, we fight with our mouths. Uh, visible most often, I would argue, maybe in social media, people at war, people doing battle with one another. Now, here's the warning. When we're at war with others, pretty soon that debate becomes anger and animosity, and pretty soon it says it affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. See, we think, we're well, I'm just talking to people. I'm just debating them. I'm just kind of doing some verbal battle. But it says here, make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Be holy, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. In other, in other words, our battling, our wars, our anger, our animosity affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just words. No, the words affect our relationship. War and hostility with others is an unholy activity, according to verse 14. So when I'm doing battle and I'm not making peace, that's an unholy activity. When I'm going to battle with others, we don't see Jesus well at that time, and they don't see Jesus in us. Even though you might be standing for a noble cause, if you're doing it in an unholy way, they're not seeing Jesus, and you're not seeing Jesus at that time. Hebrews 12.15 The next thought. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. See to it. Make it your ambition. Make it your priority. See to it 
that you and nobody around you misses the grace of God. Nobody falls short of the grace of God. My prayer has been, I'm getting ready for this series now, the last six, eight weeks, Lord, please don't let any member of the church family here miss out on your grace. Lord, don't let anybody miss your amazing and awesome grace, King Jesus, because this is the truth. The best thing in life is the grace of Jesus. And if you're missing the grace of Jesus, you're missing the best stuff. Don't let anybody miss out on your grace. Hebrews 12, 14, Romans 12, 18, make every effort, as much as it depends on you, live at peace, be quick to make peace is the idea with those the Lord puts in your path. Because the truth is, from time to time, we're going to bump into each other. We're going to say things that offend. We're, we're going to do things we shouldn't have done. Well, we're, we're going to assume somebody did this and they meant to do it. Offense happens in this world. Would you not agree? It's easy to get offended. So that is a given. When squabbles and disagreements and trouble begins between you and me and somebody else, make every effort. Go quickly. Put the fire out between you and the person you're doing battle with. The person you're squabbling with. The person you're ticked with. The person you're angry with. The person you've taken offense with or they've taken offense against you. Why? Why is this such a big deal? Come on. That's just the way the world is. Go back to verse 15. Because we don't want anybody to miss out. We don't want anybody to fail to find the grace of God in their lives. I don't want it for me, and I don't want it for the people the Lord puts in my path. When we fail to make peace with someone we're in conflict with, give me your eyes, I'm in conflict with somebody, and now I fail to go and make every effort. I'm leaving myself, I'm leaving them opening to the door of the number one enemy of grace. When I say I don't feel like it, I don't want to, it's no big deal. We're opening the door to the grace killer. And what exactly is that? Go back to verse 15. What is the grace killer? See to it. That no one falls short of the grace of God. Here it is. Grace killer. Number one enemy. And no bitter root grows up. To cause trouble. And defiles many. It's cause and effect. When we miss grace. When we don't forgive. When, when we don't go and make peace right away. A bitter root begins to grow. Uh, a bitter root appears in our lives. In biblical times, a bitter root was any poisonous plant that was around. Uh, would have been the Middle East at that time. And, and a bitter root was specifically a type of plant that could make you sick if you ate it, or potentially could kill you. You understand? That's the idea. Bitter root. Be careful. This is poison. It could make you sick. It could even kill you. Now, think about it. There's been a disagreement. There's been a misunderstanding. Someone has harmed you. 
someone has injured me, my feelings, my reputation, they, they've, they've dinged my car, their opinion has been condescending, they've made me bleed, they've made me feel foolish. What do you do now? Verse 14, look what it says. Make the effort. <laughs> Go. Make the matter right. Seek peace. Well, where do you see that? Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Here's what Jesus says. If you're sitting in church, and Pastor Brandt is taking up the offering, and now the ushers are passing out the plates, and suddenly you remember, you know what, I, I messed up. I said something I shouldn't have said. I did something that harmed someone else. You know what Jesus says, Matthew 5, 23, 24? Get up, leave church, or go to somebody in church, if that's the case. Go make it right. It's huge. You don't want them nursing a grudge. You don't want bitterness growing in them. You go make it right. Right away. Make every effort. And now you're thinking, well, if, that's, if you are the offender, that's what you should do. It's interesting, Matthew 18.15, it's the other side. You realize someone has sinned against my toes. Check with me. Just follow me here. Okay? So they've stomped, they've bruised, they've bloodied my toes. They've sinned against me. They've harmed. Matthew 18.15 says, if it's your toes, then you are the one that goes. See, that even rhymes, right? So your toes have been sinned against. Not necessarily just your toes. You understand that, right? Go, seek, settle the matter, make peace, get the relationship restored. So if you're the one who did the offending, the harm, go and make it right. If you're the one who had your toes stomped on, you go and make it right. That's what Jesus says should be the priority. Both sides, I've caused harm. I'm now going to go make it right. I don't want this conflict growing. I want to go and make it right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I stepped on your toes. Please forgive me. This side, um, I need to tell you, my toes are blue, bloodied and bruised and damaged because you stomped on them. And I think maybe you even intended to. And we need to make this right. So why on earth would we go quickly and talk about toes? Okay, I think you're thinking right now, <laughs> this, this seems like a, a big deal over a little matter. Why are the squabbles, misunderstandings, uh, the conflict, why is that something we should make every effort to mend and fix? Throw up a couple of verses. Matthew 6. 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, this is Jesus talking, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You're stuck. As long as you have unforgiveness and bitterness there in your heart, you're stuck in your relationship with the Lord. Ephesians 4 verse 32. Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Why do I do this? Why does this matter? Because God through Jesus Christ has forgiven us. The reason we forgive and seek forgiveness is because of the grace of Jesus. Mirage, it's the grace of Jesus Christ 
which has forgiven you and me again and again and again and again and again. And I could just keep going on all day wrong, right? You think about all the agains, the times that Jesus has forgiven us. Why do I go and seek peace and make it right? Because Jesus has shown me such forgiving grace. And he continues. That's the reason. The reason this matters is because what Jesus has done for us. Well, what if I don't feel like making peace? Pastor Jeff, I, I don't feel like this person deserves forgiving. I, I don't feel like he'll accept it or, or she'll even listen to me. I, I don't feel like I should go do this again. Um, do I follow my feelings or do I follow the facts? You understand? Uh, it's a choice. Am I, am I going to follow my feelings, which are very unreliable? Amen? Okay, four of you agree. I'll give you another run at that. I, I, I don't follow my feelings, right? Unreliable. Do, do I hear an amen here? They're, they're very, they, they've, they've messed me up every time practically. I follow the facts. They hurt me deeply. They hurt me repeatedly. They'll laugh. They'll just do it again. Here's the problem. When grace and forgiveness is lacking, bitterness grows. When grace and a willingness to go and reconcile and make it right is missing, bitterness grows. When you and I choose not to forgive or seek forgiveness, we're planting a poisonous seed in the soil of my anger and their anger and conflict and animosity begins to grow. And the longer the conflict goes without being resolved, the deeper it goes down into our hearts, our minds, and our souls. Track with me now. And suddenly now bitterness begins to get its tentacles around any grace that's left in my life. And bitterness squeezes out the the grace right out of our lives. That's what Hebrews 12.15 is saying. Make sure nobody misses out on grace, and they do that by allowing bitterness to grow, and the grace gets squeezed right out of our lives. Some of you are thinking, but, but, time out, Pastor Jeff. The person who I'm angry with it was really a bad person. They were, they were evil. They were awful. They did it again. Um, I like how Max Lucado, Lucado, your, your choice, here's what he explains about this. To forgive is not to endorse the deeds of the offender. How do we know that? Jesus didn't endorse your sins by forgiving you. Grace doesn't tell the woman to like the person who molested her. It doesn't tell the oppressed just to wink at injustice. The grace-defined person still sends thieves to jail and expects an ex to pay child support. Grace is not blind. It sees the hurt full well, but grace chooses to see God's forgiveness even more. It refuses to let hurts poison my heart and the heart of others. Here's what you need to know. Grace and bitterness cannot occupy the same place. You cannot have the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Occupying at the same place where bitterness and anger and unresolved conflict are at. Grace over time drives out anger. Grace over time, the forgiveness drives out the unforgiveness. 
grace gets rid of the poison. But I also want you to know the reverse is true. If you allow bitterness to stay there over time, it squeezes out and drives the grace away as well. So both sides are true. Both sides are true. For grace to grow, the angerness and the bitterness must go. For grace to grow, the anger and the bitterness must go. I think you could probably say that with me. For grace to grow, follow along with me, okay? See, it's pretty easy, okay? For grace to grow, the anger and bitterness must go. One more time. For grace to grow, the anger and the bitterness, they must go. It's true. <laughs> and one final warning I don't want you to miss. Go back to verse 15. The bitter root grows up. When I don't do it God's way, when I allow bitterness and anger to grow up, it doesn't just affect me. Look what it says. It causes trouble and defiles many. Talking about the people all around you. Bitterness is an acid that eats the container it is in. Bitterness is an acid that eats us from the inside. Pretty soon it leaks out and it begins destroying anybody around the bitterness. It, it destroys me first. And then it leaks out and it starts destroying our marriage. Unforgiveness does. And bitterness and unresolved conflict begins affecting our children and in our grandchildren. And then we take bitterness to the job and to school and to our neighbors. I promise you, bitterness destroys everything around it. Here's what Lewis Smeads, my favorite author on the subject of forgiveness, says. Resentment begins by nurturing a minor grudge. It starts out small, usually. And if you feed it, the anger begins to grow into a powerful resentment. Then it is no longer something you own, it's something that owns you. So it starts small, it's just, just a little thing. It's just a little bitty snake, right, right Brent? And, and, and then pretty soon, that, that sucker, that, that, that snake is huge, and it'll begin to squeeze and own you. Some of you, this is huge for you and the people around you. Here's my favorite book on forgiveness, The Art of Forgiving, When You Need to Forgive and Don't Know How. It's the best thing I've ever read. It's, it's, it, it really is. you got lots of questions. He answers them well. Uh, Amazon, $12.14. Uh, some of you need that book like tomorrow. It's the truth. When conflict goes unresolved, anger takes root. And over time, resentment begins to form. And in time, resentment turns to bitterness. And as bitterness gets embedded in our lives, it begins to squeeze the grace out of our lives. So that's what's going on. So does that mean the bitter and the unforgiving person loses their salvation? Is that what he's saying here? First possibility, this person who is bitter and filled with rage and hate, first possibility is they never knew Christ. They, they never knew Jesus. They never really were a follower of Christ. They never really knew the grace of God found in Jesus and the cross and the empty tomb. 
Second possibility is this. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus tells this marvelous story. There's this king and he forgives his servant $10 billion in debt. And then that same servant is freed and he goes and finds another servant who owed him $10,000. And do you recall what, what he did? He said, no, no, you're going in prison. I will not forgive your $10,000 debt even though you've been forgiven $10 billion. When the king hears about it, he's so angry. And here's what he says. Verse 34, Matthew chapter 18, the king had the servant who was unwilling to forgive thrown in jail and tortured until he forgave. Note, he didn't have him executed. He wasn't tossed into the lake of fire. He was thrown into jail and tortured until he forgave. Verse 35, here's what Jesus says. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Here's the truth. Jesus turns us over to the prison and the torture of living life in bitterness. You won't forgive? You refuse to do it God's way? The torture of hatred and rage will make you a miserable person. And you will infect everybody around you with your miserable situation. That's what happens. And it says, and, and he'll let you stay that way until finally you wake up and you come to your senses and you choose to forgive and you choose to allow grace to come flowing back in your life. That, that's, that's what's going on here. The heart of grace, the heart of Jesus' activity of grace is his work on the cross for our sin. Therefore, track with me, for grace to grow and prosper in our lives, forgiveness, making peace, must become a priority. I, whenever I see animosity between me, I, I run and I make peace. I don't, want, I don't want bitterness growing in my life and I don't want bitterness growing in theirs. So that's a priority. That's essential. So I don't become bitter and the people around me don't miss the grace and have grace squeezed out. So as we close this morning, I need to ask a really hard question, okay? Give me your eyes, balcony. Is there some unresolved conflict between you and someone else? Is there some anger, some harm that somebody has done towards you? And I'm not minimizing the harm. I'm not minimizing what they've done. What I'm telling you, is there animosity and anger that you've just let set and simmer inside of you? Please know, <laughs> you have been wounded, you have been harmed, you've been abused, but in you now a poison is growing. Leave it alone, don't make it right, don't deal with it, and over time, it's going to turn real poisonous. And it will defile you, and it will defile lots of folks around you. Here's one more thing you need to know. Uh, most folks who struggle with this had a mom or a dad who struggled here. In other words, we lived with them. We saw how they handled conflict. 
They didn't forgive. They didn't let the offense go. And now you've learned real well. And now you're following right in daddy's footsteps. Now you're doing it just like mama did. Or maybe a brother or sister model. Maybe a spouse that you've let. They, they don't forgive. They got bitterness going and now it's contagious and you caught it. Have you noticed? Poison of bitterness starting to take root. Cynical, angry, upset, negative. Those are all signs. And I promise you, it's going to spread to the people you love. When we miss grace, when we choose not to forgive, things get toxic and ugly and bitter. Do you understand that? Your relationship, your outlook, and now those around you. A marriage without grace and forgiveness is poisonous. A church without grace and forgiveness is poisonous. A friendship without grace and forgiveness is poisonous. A business without grace and forgiveness is poisonous. And lots of marriages and lots of churches and lots of friendships and lots of businesses have shriveled up and died. Why? There was no forgiveness. There was no grace. There was no uh, allowing the offense to go away. And I promise you, as you hold on, it will grow. <laughs> It'll get bigger and stronger. It really boils down to this. Be angry. Seek revenge. Uh, be bitter and talk constantly about how awful these people are. And then watch as bitterness poisons you and then affects the people around you. So you can do that. That's a choice. Or here's what God's word says. Go with grace. Quickly seek peace. Quickly seek forgiveness. And watch the grace of Jesus grow in you. And then bless those folks around you as they watch grace in effect in your life. So, so that's really the choice. We, we get to choose, and, and just know this, you can't choose more than one follower of Jesus. You can only do one. Be bitter and live with the consequences or go with grace. What are you going to choose? Be bitter. Let, let, let all the poison just continue to soak and sour, and, and pretty soon it will melt the container it's in. Or go with the grace of Jesus. Bow your heads. Shut your eyes as we close. I'd invite you right now just to quiet your heart before King Jesus. He's the reason we would even think about forgiving. Don't forget the purpose, the reason, the, the rationale for forgiveness is what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. So Lord, with that in mind, would you make clear any unresolved conflict that we haven't dealt with, that we've allowed to simmer and stew in our lives? Speak, Lord. Any small pockets, maybe it's just recently begun. Maybe it's been going on and taking root for a long time. Make it clear. We're listening.